0: to another episode of the creative weirdos podcast i hope that you all are enjoying this beautiful spooky season halloween is coming very quickly and we are uh, real busy getting ready around here with the kids They run the show as far as Halloween goes around here now, and we are going to be a lot of Mario characters, it sounds like, because that's Teddy's current obsession. So that is a big topic of discussion throughout this conversation with the wonderful Sutton Crawford. I am so excited to have Sutton back for another beautiful conversation. We talk about a lot of Halloween uh, celebration styles and things in which revolve around death and the culture and mythology and a ton of other wonderfully weird stuff go support Sutton at all the links below and enjoy this wonderful conversation if you want more things like this I have the Patreon and shop also linked below and there's lots of new Halloween goodies over there thanks again for checking this out and I hope you all have a wonderful day I'll talk to you soon bye to have you again i Thank will do all the official me. introductions yes no absolutely but we were just talking about some halloween preparation stuff and things that spook our kids and spook us and whatnot and we were about to get into the the idea that you are a haunted house person and not a or you're a horror movie person not a haunted house person exactly. and i was yes. uh i was saying i'm the same way and i'd love to hear more
1: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no i am full-on can watch any horror movie and full-on do not take me to a haunted house. <laughs> I I think it has to do with the control aspect, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm in control of turning a movie off, but I'm not until it's so disturbing that I dream about it or something like that. Or, and then I can't turn the, the haunted house off. And every time yeah. I've gone to a haunted house, I'm constantly... <laughs> I run around the place going... I thank the performers the whole time. Thank you so much. You're doing a great job. Thank you. No, no, the performers can't touch me. Thank you. Thank you. Like literally is how I get through a haunted house. And I almost threw up in one. The last one I was in, I almost threw up in it because I was so anxious about the experience. And it was actually... um, this is my, my not not a ton of people know me for this, but I was on a reality TV show uh, about. Uh, I gotta think it was like nine years ago and one of the episodes they made us go into this haunted house and it was on Halloween and they made us go through it before they had opened it up to the public so there's probably 700 people in line and they sent me and my brother and two other people on this TV show through the entire haunted house and we got to one of the ends of the rooms and I turned to one of the like, handlers and i was like how much longer is this and they were like um it's an hour and a half and i was like i'm sorry like i cannot do this and then we got to the clown room oh no and so it was weird because the film crew is in the room on this platform and then the clowns are everywhere and then i just was like oh my god i'm gonna vomit I'm so anxious. I'm going to vomit. And I went up to the producer and I was like, hey, I have to go outside. I'm going to throw up. And they were like, yeah, one second, one second. And they just kept telling me one second, one second. And I like didn't throw up in the haunted house because that would have been a real big bummer for everybody and they would have had to clean up before they sent other people through so thank goodness but at the end like an hour later I went next to the concession stand and just like spit up my guts I rainbow yawned (laughs) all over the place so I am not a haunted house person and I do I think it's lack of control that really freaks me out and I have something and I don't know if this is everybody's spooky thing but like I don't like things being behind me. Mm-hmm. So like if my back feels exposed, like I could probably walk along a haunted house with my back against the wall.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> but then something no, be totally. behind you.
1: No, I don't like that feeling. I don't like that feeling.
0: No, that's, that's funny because I never thought about it like that. But you're so the haunted house... That I most went through growing up was like a Rehoboth It was at Rehoboth Beach on the boardwalk, like a boardwalk uh-huh. haunted house where it was a riding oh. attraction where you sit in like a cart and it just takes you through all these different rooms and stuff. Yeah. So there's no actors, there's no like chance of being touched, there's none of that, and your your back's covered the whole time. So there's no like backst- uh-huh. and that's probably a big part of why I could do that. It really. But as soon as I went to like one of the ones where you're walking and there's like a chance of being touched and things coming up behind you, I was done. Like. I I remember very specifically going to a big one at one of the local orchards that they would do every year, the pumpkin patches. And there was a point where you could just hear a chainsaw being revved up. And I was like, I'm out. Fine. Where's the exit? Take me out of here. And like left. And that was the last time I remember doing it. Like I just can't, I can't, I couldn't handle that anxiety of it all.
1: (laughs) No, it's too much anxiety. And the chainsaw, that was, I mean, the chainsaw part got me, they chased us through this, like, It was like hanging bodies and the person has this chainsaw and is chasing me and is trying to cut me up through the middle. And I was like, (laughs) get away from me. You are doing a wonderful job. I thank you so much. Get away from me. And I hear it's, it's so funny because I hear because, but then I have this odd fascination with it. Like I got lost on TikTok watching haunted house things. So I like, I'll watch (laughs) other people do it. No, but so I hear people get punched a lot like the performers get punched because yeah yeah because people are so freaked out that they'll like punch the performer (laughs) and I was like you're really really taking it being a a haunted house performer I'm sure they have a name and I'm not really sure what they are but
0: no absolutely and it's definitely is very specific it seems like the people that do it do it because they love it usually like it definitely they seems love like, it yeah yeah it seems like a very specific passion project for people
1: yeah and it's funny because to go back to that thing I said about um like like movies you can turn off there's mm-hmm. like a couple movies that have really kind of haunted me past turning it off and i just watched one of them recently um hereditary
0: okay have you seen hereditary uh honestly no but i know all about it because it's the type of movie so before we go further because i want to talk about this i am a at this point i can't Consume any of the horror stuff anymore that I haven't already consumed if I've watched it and stuff, I have no problem, yes. but especially on the more violent side of things, there's just something that has changed in me I was just I just did a round table about Twin Peaks, which is like one of my favorite as I far as Twin like Peaks. something yeah, and like the the newest seasons one of my favorite things that's come out in like horror esoteric, weird. Uh, media in general but there's uh, have you seen the newest season The Return? I
1: haven't. You just said newest oh. season. I was like what?
0: <laughs> yeah no it's so good. I won't say exactly what part it is then but there's a part in there that is a very violent scene that I just can't like when I've rewatched it I have to skip it. I'm like nope can't do. It. and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever but I've uh, I've come to the point where like violence is hard for me to consume in certain ways. So a lot of these newer horror movies I am so fascinated by and I will watch a of trailers and i'll read reviews i'll read the spoilers <laughs> on the on the wikipedia and everything and like and i'll decide whether i want to, which ones i want to go into but no I, so that's a long way of saying i haven't seen it but please dive into the story <laughs> oh
1: no i just and it's funny i'm very similar but i'm like that with a lot of media and things i can like you the way you say it the things i consume um i'm I'm a huge fan of watching things I've already seen many, many times. The Labyrinth is on a constant loop all the time. The Princess Bride, I could watch 150 million times. So horror movies become a kind of similar thing for me and I'm I'm in a group of people who watch a horror movie or multiple a day and then we log it. We all talk about what we're watching and I am so hard pressed to try a new one even though I have 31 days to like try a new horror movie. And I end up, like, honestly watching a lot of repeats just because I feel safe, I guess, because I, like, know what's going to happen. But, yeah, um, Hereditary was a new one for me, God, two years ago, I think. I was going to watch it when I was pregnant, and somebody was like, don't do that. And I'm so glad I didn't. Uh, (laughs) Let's be honest. I I can see why. (laughs) Yes, yes. But there's just imagery in it that I I could I can't let go of and it and it isn't it's not jump scary which is what my husband hates he hates jump scares and it's just psychologically so disturbing and then at the end the first time I saw it I had to like google the plot because I was slightly confused about like what I had just seen and like and then the more you watch it, the more you're like, "Oh, the the clues are all there, right?" Like you start to watch yes. it over and over again, and you're like, "Oh, they set this up from the very beginning." You know exactly what it is once you've seen mm-hmm. it. But there's just, I mean, I'll, I'm gonna just say it right. Talk about violence. Yeah, no, Tony Colette, Tony Colette sawing her own head off with like a like a rope or something. It's just yeah. I can't <laughs> let it go. It's just like it's forever <laughs> ingrained in my mind. And and what's so Great about the movie, let's call it call it a film. What's so great about the film <laughs> is that um, it's uh, like I can't remember if it's irony is the word that they use, but like no uh, tragic, like tragedy, right? That not irony, tragedy. That if if you know that all of this bad stuff is going to happen to you and you still can't stop it, does it make it more tragic or less tragic? And and if you don't know and it happens and you can't stop it, is it more tragic or less tragic? And it's just it's a great movie. Midsummer did the same thing. I was just like, this I like dreamt about it. Like I like and most horror movies I don't dream about or like have nightmares about, but those two I like really did.
0: (laughs) You just hit something that I was gonna bring up with the horror movies, because there is it is some like even though I just said what I said it's still one of my favorite genres because it has the ability to do this thing that you just nailed on the head and I think it's because a lot of these images come from the subconscious like I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go back to Lynch because he's like probably my favorite who works in this genre but he talks about like for Blue Velvet for example that whole movie arose just from that image of finding that severed toe in a field in this beautiful idyllic America and like there's mm-hmm. just these images that I think probably pop into these creators heads and they don't know where they came come from or what the story is around them but they kind of can use those as puzzle pieces to fit in there and those are the ones that like really sink in and like make you i mean when you see certain horror movies they make you think about things that most media do not make you think about and i think that's one of the best like things about totally the, the genre in general and a lot of it can go back to whether it's one of the things you just hit on like the weirdness of time and that like that kind of question of free will that really does kind of consume a lot of us that we don't even know is consuming us, you know, like that Mm -hmm. whole like do, if we knew the things that would happen, could we change them or would it even matter? And like, I love thinking about that stuff because I, I think that there's something to the idea that, we're all kind of closing each other's time loops and like that, these things that like, just like a good horror movie, there's all these little threads that are placed in the beginning that all wrap up at the end in ways that you'll never know. And like, I think that's a great way to live life is to think about all of these things that seem like they could be, bad things or tragedies just as threads that are going to wrap up in this time loop at some point in a whole different way that you never could even see. Like there's so many times where like, Mm -hmm. looking back, I'm really glad that bad thing happened because if that was a good thing, if I got the job or if I had the thing, I wouldn't have had this thing that's even better. Like I wouldn't have had the kid or got the better job or whatever. Totally.
1: Totally. It's funny you're saying that. I mean, so I do a tarot Tuesday poll every Tuesday, obviously, um, which I've probably talked about before, uh, with you, but it's on my other Instagram called a casual coven with my partner, Laura. And that's a lot of what this week's poll was. And I know we're going to, (laughs) your listeners will be hearing this after the fact, but, um, it was a lot about that, the idea of what challenging or bad or negative things actually mean to the you right now versus the you that was going through it before and how we carry that information and what does it mean if you look at it from different angles. It was very strange because I was using, because it is officially fall, right? We have gone through Maybon, we've gone through the fall equinox, it is happening and I'm so happy about it. But I always pull out my spooky tarot decks, right? So I was using Hocus Pocus and the Witch's Oracle, yep. And I don't read for clients with the Hocus Pocus deck. I think it's kind of a novelty deck. I don't, I love it because I love Hocus Pocus, but I don't love all the imagery. I think the imagery is somewhat incorrect a little mm-hmm. bit, Um, mm-hmm. but I decided to use it because I was like, eh, it's spooky season, it's time, right? Yep. So, But then having the Witch's Oracle communicating with the Hocus Pocus deck was very interesting because it was all about that idea. Like what does, negative or bad or challenging things mean when you either carry it with you, when you let it go before you've looked at it, when you aren't able to see all the different angles to it, and how you can understand that, like, that thing got you to where you are right now. Literally, so...
0: This
1: happens every time we talk, but I love it. <laughs> that was what was it. That was my Tarot Tuesday today. <laughs>
0: That's just beautiful. And I I mean those little uh synchronicities are my favorite thing. Like you can experience them. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and it seems like the best part of this podcast is that I get to experience those little universal nods of being like, yeah, you're supposed to be communicating with these people and at this time and things like, even like the story you told told me about finding your Halloween costume for the year, I thought it's just a perfect <laughs> way of like, those little universal uh, synchronicities that you can look at and live in a little bit more of a magical world. Like a lot of people would just kind of look at that and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I was at, I was at the thrift store, I had that in my mind, but it's way nicer to be like, nope, the universe just told me and maybe you can tell the story so it's a little bit less vague but uh, oh no but-
1: yeah the universe definitely told me so my son who is four years old Uh, and like we said, our children are now officially in charge of Halloween, which is hard for me because I love Halloween. And last year I had to like pivot. I was going to be Eddie Munson from Stranger Things. Nope. I ended up Sky from the Paw Patrol. So he's officially in charge and I'm going to listen to him the first time so that I don't end up buying two costumes. Um, (laughs) So this year he was like, I want to be a T-Rex. And I was like, of course you do. Perfect T-Rex. So I like searched for the perfect T-Rex costume and I found a really cute one. And then I was like, well, what am I going to be? Like, I don't want to be a dinosaur. And like, (laughs) what is the other option, right? Classic 90s person. I was like, well, we clearly have to be something from Jurassic Park because I love Jurassic Park. I've always loved that movie. I saw it in the theater when I was a kid. And then I was like, but I have this strong disdain for Dr. Ellie Sattler. And if you've never seen the movie, it's, she's the like female protagonist of the movie. Then Dr. Grant is the female or the male protagonist. And then there's other characters. Uh, that are amazing but they're they're like the leads right Dr. Grant, Dr. Sattler so I have always kind of hated her and I always thought she was very whiny and I always thought she was very like and sure like you've never seen a dinosaur you're going to panic a little bit I get it you're running away from velociraptors I get it yeah, but she's totally. always like you know like ah, everything's really like ah, save me and I hated that and I just always kind of disliked her as a kid and then I was like well who else am I going to be but Dr. Ellie Sattler for Halloween if my kid's going to be a teenager <laughs> And I was like, "No, I'm not doing it." And uh, I walked into the thrift store, and I look in. They've got all their Halloween stuff out at the thrift store, and. In a box is the perfect like fedora hat for my husband to play Dr. Grant. And I I ignored the hat. I was like,
0: You're like, nope.
1: no, <laughs> I'm not doing this it. Not so then I, nope. I was like, I'm not buying you four dollar perfect fedora hat for Dr. Grant. I'm not doing it. So my my son and I are walking around and looking at books and all those things. And I was like, okay, I'll just go look in the girl the women's clothing section. And it's there it was. It was like the perfect pink button down and the perfect semi. Amazing. purple t-shirt and and you know khaki shorts I'm never gonna own khaki for any reason except for this Halloween and yeah. I did it I was like okay so Dr. Sattler it is you're gonna that's, you're gonna be your least favorite character
0: that's so funny I'm reclaiming, that. yes, <laughs> I'm reclaiming yes,
1: her yes reclaiming her
0: the universe says you have to use this as a way to uh, get familiar with the side of yourself that you uh, you didn't know you liked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or didn't know I had. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why I dislike her so much. And now we're just into shadow work. But, like, I guess I dislike her because she was so... She seems pathetic to me, which is, is so... And here we... I mean, full circle. Like that's exactly who I am in a, in a haunted house. I, I I'm it. Dr. Sattler
0: I in a haunted no, house. So there you go. <laughs> and it, it's so funny. Like, so I also loved Jurassic Park growing up and like, I had a very, I don't think I had any thoughts or feelings about uh, Dr. Ellie Sattler as, as a yeah. kid watching it or anything. And like, <laughs> I was, it, it's so funny because looking back, like uh, we were talking about Lynch earlier and dr ellie is played by laura dern who's one of his main characters in in the third season of twin peaks she plays the embodiment of diane who he talks to as the time like that is who diane is in the third season the smallest spoiler but you could find that out anywhere so i'm not i don't feel bad about that but so like it's funny that like she like she's one of those people that to me i associate with her as laura dern like it it was like a weird role for her in retrospect after knowing who she was with her work of doc, with uh, David Lynch and everything. And it's yeah. so funny that like she is that embodied. These actors and actresses have these different meanings depending on, or to different people, depending on what roles they play. And when you saw that role, like if you saw that Jurassic Park at a different time growing up or like mm-hmm. after knowing who Laura Dern was, or you know, mm-hmm. your experience could be completely different. Completely that was also, different. That was also something I was like super interested to hear you say as far as the horror movies that are sticking with you and kind of change your your worldview or your perception or have those images. A lot of the times when people talk about those, they're kind of seen in formative years, maybe a little too early they saw those horror movies. Mm -hmm. And you don't hear people talk as much about the ones that stick with them later on, which I think is really cool because it definitely can still happen to people if you allow it to, but like absolutely. you don't hear people talk about it as much, you know
1: no, absolutely it totally can and and it's funny that's it, funny it's making me think about that I think the biggest change that I had at watching horror movies and I'm gonna like name some that have really stuck with me is after having a child actually
0: Ooh, that makes sense and
1: because you you are like in, I mean, let's talk witchy terms, right? Is that like, after you have a kid, if you become a parent, the old version of you dies, right? Like I'll never be the person I was before I had a child and that person died and I can mourn that and that's great, whatever. I've come to terms with that death and we loved her, but (laughs) RIP. And now as the mother, I watch horror movies that kind of stick with me in a really intense way because- what has been coming up for me a lot is not being able to disassociate the pain of a human in relationship to them having a parent, interestingly enough. Or like wow. we watched The Shining and The Shining Ooh. is so messed up now. And and I have chills just thinking about it. My husband and I, we were watching The Shining and I was like, this is so much more painful to watch when you have a kid that's almost exactly the same age as that. Or yeah. The Babadook. Have you oh. ever seen The Babadook? Duck?
0: Nope, uh, nope, I have not, but uh, <laughs> again, I I've, I've read all the Wikipedias and I'm very familiar with uh with yes. the idea behind of it. course,
1: yes. yes. It it's that it's a it's a it's a single mom and a and a kid who's a very similar age to my kid and you know, without giving anything away, there's a character called The Babadook Duck and and it's so disturbingly painful to watch um because i mean you go straight to the single mom kid relationship it's a little boy it's like a, it's you know it's like a parallel to what happens in our lives but it it, it hurts so bad to watch that because it was just and then they're like oh god i don't want to give it away but like
0: uh, i'm we'll gonna go say ahead and spoilers say... and you talk freely spoiler
1: alert I mean, okay I spoiler didn't... alert Is that basically the, right. The Babadook comes right. And it's found in this book and they read the book together. And it's like, why would you ever read that book? It like shows up on their front porch and they read it. And it's about the Babadook taking over and that you can't not, you know, you can't something me, I'm the Babadook. Right. And she's reading the book and the little boy's like, put the book down, stop reading the book. And it's about this thing, like infiltrating her. Right. So the Mm -hmm. Babadook takes her over and she becomes violent and, nasty and mean and horrible to him. And yet, and then I'm gonna go really far with this, but you watch it as a parent and you start to be like, is the Baba Duck a real thing? Is she really just overtired and exhausted and frustrated because he's having meltdowns? Is is there the Baba Duck or is she the Baba Duck, right? Like, is is she like at that like Because there are moments in parenting where you're like semi-mentally unstable and exhausted and your kid has a flip out and you have to just like Mm -hmm. disassociate a bit where you're just like, okay, I love this human. This human is driving me crazy. And it's like, does this mom actually become this embodiment of all the horrible things that. Fester inside of us when our kids having a meltdown and we don't know what to do about it, and so like it gets veiled as this outsider creature. But uh, yeah, so I watched it after I had seen it pre-child. I saw it again after having him, and I was horrified. I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And it's such a it's. I think it's a female director and writer, so it wouldn't be surprising if clearly what I'm saying is exactly what it's about. But which it is, but yeah. I just, that one really is painful to watch. It's really, anything with kids, I really can't do, I try, no. I really, it's, like, the no. Black Phone, I haven't seen that, mm. I can't, I just like, nope. it's like, no, 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 I'm,
0: I'm <laughs> totally with you, and there is something... I think when I was talking about that kind of uh, change where violent stuff affected me differently, it definitely parallels with having the kid mm-hmm. and, like with that whole, whole process. And it's like, we had, t- you know, Teddy's six years old now and six years ago was like the height of like, my favorite murder and true crime stuff and lots of mm-hmm. those like you know the, the and it's still going on as far as the popularity of true crime and whatnot but the the little bit that Allie and I had dabbled in that world we we're like nope we're good now like that was like it was just kind of left it completely behind and the the idea that I mean what you just said as far as like the idea that like this little bit of negative energy that everybody experiences and, and kind of goes through as a parent, no matter how patient of a parent you are can be deposited (laughs) into these works of fiction and like, and, and like almost like find a form there. And then, you know, uh, become real in that way, I think is definitely something that I think about a lot. Like I i know is an overused thing, but there's all these little things that there's so much energy going out in the world that even if it's just somebody embodying it in a story or in a horror movie, I think it's real and it gives that like universal connection that we get to feel when we're like, oh totally. shit, like is that just like a personification of the uh <laughs> those the uh, kind of one of like don't shake the baby moments and everything. Yeah, you know, but like, there's dark, like... Don't shake the baby. <laughs> moment yeah, yes. yeah yeah there's definitely there's a reason they make you watch those videos before you wa- leave the hospital and they're like you have to watch <laughs> this or you can't legally wa- leave this hospital and i'm like this is the weirdest shit i've ever been i remember being to like watch. is like, this like, real like, yeah i'm like what is happening like and it's it, it is like i do think that people miss that opportunity during this season of embracing the scarier side of things to like allow ourselves to revel in that. a a kind of face darkness that shadow self Mm -hmm. that you mentioned earlier and I I think there's a lot of uh, of baseline catharsis that goes on through fictional horror and stuff that's always been there and like it's definitely it's definitely an element of things that like there's one of my favorite comic artists whose name is Jim Woodring and I've been listening to a lot of talks he has because he's been going on a little bit of a speaking tour these days about his most recent work and he's always talked about how he has this uh, comic strip called Frank and it's this kind of surrealist like beautiful, the craft is amazing like one of the most amazingly talented technical artists and he writes these very surreal kind of like mind bending stories about this little cartoon character named Frank and he lives in this place called the Unifactor and he's like I don't write these stories the Unifactor communicates these stories to me and I kind of put Frank in these situations that the Unifactor is I just, I sit down outside with a notebook and i say frank sits in his room no 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 frank goes outside Okay. Yes, and then Frank sits under a tree and sees a leaf blows by. No, 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 no. Frank's reading a book. Okay. Yes. So he like he prop he essentially asks the unifactor, does Frank do this? And the unifactor tells him yes or no, and he creates the stories using this method. Right. Very beautiful and like something I think that most artists are doing, but aren't as articulate of explaining if that makes sense. But uh-huh. it allows for this very so uh, very uh, subconscious imagery to come out and it's kind of scary and dark and he's like that's kind of the beauty you have to have the darkness with the humor or else it doesn't like that's part of the the formula he's made for this world to work and i think that there's something to that like humor and darkness combination that really is my favorite part of all these different uh scary movies or halloween things and like i love I love the idea that we can kind of control and use those as a way to move throughout the, uh, the spooky time and like really connect with other people that like the same stuff. And like, it's not about essentially like, whether this is too violent or less violent, it's more about the kind of uh, reaction it, it creates in you if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I I was about to
1: say, no, that's right. I was like about to say the threshold with which you reach before it's too much for you, too. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I there are like I am not a torture and I hate to even say the word, but like I'm not a torture or rape horror movie person at all like saw yeah. is not my thing those are not my that like that that centipede movie that the whatever triple yeah. that's <laughs> not what it's called human centipede nope, I know what you're talking about yep yeah not my thing it's just not no. my thing and that's like where I reach the threshold of what I can take and yet then there are people who can push that threshold so much further and like and it is I think it's about embracing I mean I think hol- a Samhain Halloween uh, all of this is about br- embracing the thing we fear the most, which is ultimately death, right? Like what is it on the other side? And the the veil thinning, because now we're connected to our ancestors in a certain way. And it's just like the fascination I've had with Halloween and this time has been since I was tiny. Like I just yeah. have always been fascinated with it and I just love it. And I do, I think it's our way to play around something that is frightening to us. and and I think anybody who likes horror movies is that's what we're doing. We're just we're just dancing in the world of something that we might, for a split second, right, don't shake the baby. like first, not not that I've ever wanted to shake my baby, my God. but like for the split second of like, I don't know how to deal with you right now while you're screaming at me, little four year old or three year old, and that that moment where it's like, wow, they just took that thought and just made it so much worse and now you get to yeah. play out what that would look like independent of your own physical being you get to watch it on a screen you get to watch her have that thing right through yes. a fictional character which is the Duck. it's just it's brilliant it's that's why horror is so great that's why i like zombie movies too yeah
0: That's a. So, that was going to be one of the things I was going to ask you as far as what you prefer in horror. Like, do you have a favorite horror genre currently, or does it change, or is it just kind of too hard to pin down? Oh,
1: gosh. That's a really good question. I've always loved zombie movies. I um, have always loved zombie movies. I. So, those are. That's like one of my favorite genres, but I'm. I'm an equal opportunist as long as it's not those two other things that I said. Totally, totally. Like, I, I, yeah, I can do psychological, I can do slasher, I can do, I can do everything except for rape and torture. That's like yeah, where no, I draw the line. That's,
0: <laughs> that's very fair. It's it's definitely the type of thing that I think is a good line to draw. I mean, I it's <laughs> not the type of thing I can really handle myself.
1: No, it's a, a, it's a healthy t- line.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, other than watching horror movies, is there other stuff that you do around this time of the year? Like, I know that, that I love the idea that this is our way to interact with death a little bit more. You know I, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty common observation that our, you know, Western society has trouble dealing with the big question and the big death in, uh, sitting with it and everything. And we don't mm-hmm. necessarily talk about it as a community, society, people, whatever, very much. And it definitely is a lot easier to talk about around this time of the year because of the skeletons everywhere, the ghosts, the horror movies, like it comes up and it is one of those things that I think is healthy. But I also, I, I wonder having these big cultural releases for these things does that make it so that we don't have to talk about it as much year round like when you look at other cultures that have a more um i don't want to say intimate but a more healthy relationship with death they don't really have these like once a year we put all the skeletons out that's usually like a year round integrated type thing and i've thought about yes. that a lot with halloween
1: yes ahead, i, I don't re- i know i don't remember what i don't remember what country this was but I was looking at this thing about how they're dead kind of just are out all the time and they just kind of decompose sitting in full clothes. They take care of them. They like Mm -hmm. give them drinks and things like that. I think it's on, it's in the middle of nowhere, you know? Um, And that, that is to me, As morbid as I think someone in the United States would see that and as horrifying as someone would see that, in that culture, it's really just honoring their dead and just honoring the people who've passed and taking care of them. And and they literally do take care of them and change their clothes like they are still alive and still there. And it is, it's very interesting because it's like Halloween is the only time where it's totally acceptable in this culture, to celebrate death. Um, Although, you know, every day is Halloween in my soul. No, um, I'm (laughs) quoting that little girl. But, uh, you know, I I feel far more connected to all of those things as a person who identifies as a practicing witch, you know what I mean? But this it, it. It is, it's very strange. It's things that would usually frighten us or why would you do something like that? It becomes 100% acceptable. And it's funny because I'll always go into like, you know, a craft store or whatever, go to the Spirit (laughs) Halloween. And I'm always like, ooh, is that everyday decor or is this just Halloween decor? Like, which one is this? Does this get to live out all the time?
0: (laughs) No, and I think you kind of just stumbled across the point Sometimes I stop myself from thinking about these things because it ends with the fact that it probably is money in a lot of the situations that like we're allowed to have this one time a year because capitalism can make money off of people talking about death and putting out those things. And like Uh it's harder to run a capitalistic system if people are more like – uh, kind of glossing over death is one of the big things it allows it allows people to kind of mask it and whether you look at it from the way that we handle our elderly or all these different things we have a mm-hmm. big system that allows us to kind of put it aside and not have it interfere where you know you used to have your family members pass away in your house or in the in you know mm-hmm. a very communal situation and there's such beautiful Uh, kind of folklore that grows around those situations like a lot of the Mm -hmm. stuff that like when you look back and trace whether it's fairy folklore or all of these different types of things it comes back to death rituals and different relationships Mm -hmm. and understandings of death and i wonder a lot of the time of like what is our death folklore these days like what is our mythology around death currently and like how much of it is influenced by what we buy and like the stuff that you know all those things that like might not be the healthiest way to approach the topic
1: Oh, absolutely. God, that's a really good question. I think, I think that there isn't one in our, <laughs> I frankly, I think that there are pockets of people who probably have their own personal folklore regarding death and the passing right to the other yeah. side of whatever is over there. But I think as a generalized idea, collectively, we don't have one. And I, yeah. and I, think that's why some like the halloween thing too it's like there are camps of people who love it and there are camps of people who hate halloween because why would you celebrate (laughs) right why would you celebrate something that is dark and scary and death and like why would you celebrate that that's just twisted and and or camps of people who don't like horror movies and so i don't know if we have one and (laughs) i i mean the closest i can think in my own personal idea, I mean, sitting Shiva, right. Shiva, mm-hmm. Shiva. Um, but, and you know, st- you know, I, I do always, like I'll always put out personally, I don't, you know, I, I'll always put out my husband's uh, father's picture. I'll always give him a beer. I'll always mm-hmm. like, he this like loved this certain beer. And I, so I like every um, Samhain, I'll do that. Um, But as like, as as a society, I don't like, do we have folklore? Do we have ritual? You know, it's funny, because it's like, the idea of burying someone seems so ridiculous to me, honestly. (laughs) And I think that that is our folklore, right? Is the idea? Well, and religion, like, let's not get it twisted again. But it's like, yeah we'll talk talk on touch on christianity in just a second but like the idea of putting someone in the ground you know i know egyptians you know mummified and put their their you know their um higher up people in in cathedrals and things like that and that has been something that has carried on right this idea of preserving, preserving. your body but i just find it so ridiculous as a species who has such little space on a planet that's already at its breaking point in regards to climate and all of these things. Now we're putting people in the ground and wasting that. This is so mean. It's so terrible. No, you're good. This is great. But like wasting the space. It's like, what, what are we doing?
0: When you uh, start, if you've ever, for anyone that's had to deal with a past loved one, whether it's a parent or something else and you are, just thrown into the industry of death, the death, the American death industry. You realize mm-hmm. how essentially, what you're saying. It does not only make sense; like uh, it resonates true, like as a human being. You know, it also mm-hmm. is just like economically, like we don't have enough room to bury everybody. <laughs> like that's just not we, a thing yeah. that like, that exists as far as like preserving. And the modern methods of preservation aren't as um economically healthy as we thought they were like there's a lot of problems with all the chemicals in which we put in people and like you know like boom yeah. has to go in or each um, coffin has to go in a cement, box essentially to stop things from leaking and all this stuff i had no clue was a thing and like yeah where it it doesn't it seem so much nicer just to return to the mud and blood and dirt like is not it so much nicer just so like, yeah that bodies decompose naturally and become part yeah. of the thing yeah. the whole thing again like just seems to make yeah. a lot more sense but there, there you're right like and i think there's the whole idea of cultural cohesive folklore is almost like something that we should just stop thinking about anymore i don't think there's any of that and i don't know if there's any hope of going back to that like the you mean in none, the
1: united states yeah, yeah i don't, I don't I know like, and we're
0: trying and i i think a lot of it and i've talked about this endlessly but i think a lot of it does come down to the way we consume our fiction and the fact that none of us watch the same thing at the same times so there's no opportunities for these like great like cultural unifiers that were like tv shows and movies like jurassic park and these things now if something's a hit to be a hit it has to piss off a certain segment of people there's no more Mm -hmm. like everybody likes this thing universally because that's Mm -hmm. not how the current culture that's not how you win culture right now you know Uh, no not at all that stuff like trickles down all the way to the independent makers i think you can see it as how clicky every subgenre and subsect of subgenre is like whether you're talking Mm -hmm. about esoteric occult stuff or paranormal stuff or the art world, it's all very like you can have your 300 to a thousand followers that can support you financially, but you're creating these bubbles that will never be unified with the other bubbles. So how there was this really smart person that I wish I could remember her name that was on Doug Rushkoff's uh, most recent podcast. And she was uh, talking about these very, interesting historical studies that show how uh, certain TV shows affected uh, like social progress more than like some of the biggest uh, policy changes and stuff like that, because it showed people that other people are just people via fictional narratives. And that's something that we don't really have the opportunity for anymore. <laughs> and that's like something that I it, it kind of breaks my brain when I think about it too much.
1: It is. It it It, it does break my brain too. And <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny because I was like, maybe the only true collective thing, because you started talking about this idea of the collective, right? And mm-hmm. and culturally, you know, similar fiction and all of these things. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, well, you know, it's back. If we would have to to do that again, what was the time when we really did that? Well, when we didn't have. um we didn't have television, right? We didn't have yeah. electricity. The only time that we ever did something as a global collective ultimately is when we went off of the phases of the moon, right? Is when the moon and eclipses, yeah. and that was a time when we were all collectively kind of connected. And then, you know, there we go with Christianity again. They just kind of <laughs> messed all that up. But, and then I was like, okay, well, what's the, what's the modern version of that? And then I was like, is it in fact... Halloween like is it in fact like, <laughs> I the only it is. kind of culture, right the only kind of cultural thing that we all kind of do at the same time is celebrate holidays and when you look at it from a pagan perspective holidays are just the wheel of the year right yeah. Halloween is just Samhain and and you know Christmas is Yule and like yep. that maybe that is kind of what we're doing with holidays is that we're The only thing that we all kind of do at the same time is celebrate a holiday, which is really just celebrating the passing of time and and coming back around on the wheel to be here again for fall. And why we all like to go pumpkin picking and why we all do this at the exact same time, it's just, I was like, maybe that is our version. Yeah, sure. It's super capitalized. Everything is here. No, right.
0: that's beautiful. We're all just still like silly little meatbags staring at the sky and being like, "Look, it's changing. Like let's uh, let's we gotta do something." Like I love that. And I think that's a beautiful place to wrap that side of the conversation up because I I think you're right. Like there is there is still human universals and it's it is represented by things like the transition of the seasons and how we all feel it like we all do we feel mm-hmm. that change and the fact that it's darker and longer we don't get as much sunlight And like that's something that can connect us no matter what I love that but so sticking to the Halloween side of things though something that you brought up as far as having these ways of kind of keeping our past loved ones involved in our lives whether it's you know keeping an altar with photos or giving all uh, offerings of things they like and whatnot. And I've been thinking a lot about kind of what you said, something you mentioned earlier about how there's so many deaths we go through in our lives. You know, like I'm, late thirties, you know, 38 this year. And I'm like, man, I've died like 9 million times. If I look at it, like there's this beautiful Grant Morrison quote where he says, like, you know, think about when you were 12 and show me you when you were 12, that person's dead. They were there. That was a real thing, but you're dead. Like it's gone. Like say goodbye. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. something that I don't think we stop to like really think about as much. And using this time where we're thinking about death, like I was wondering if that's something you utilize as far as looking at those past lives of your own life uh through this time.
1: Oh oh my God, absolutely. I I um you know, cause when you're trying to go on an introspective journey, which is what I believe, you know, f- you know, modern or folkloric uh animistic witchcraft is, right? Is that you're constantly evaluating that shadow side of yourself you're constantly evaluating your younger self you're constantly trying to um honor those things right instead of just let them go or put them away or never think about them ever again um I talk about like younger self a lot in tarot card readings um like all the time and I just I've been trying to connect with the old versions of myself a lot. And I think, again, when it comes to death, the best way to honor something is to mourn it, right? So, like, mourning the the old version of yourself is so important, lest you try and cling to it. Because it'll never be, you'll never be 12 again. And you'll (laughs) never be the, you'll never be out riding your bike and like, and I'll never be that kid who used to go trick-or-treating. Right. And so, so that I can like kind of mourn that old version of myself, honor it for what it was and not want to go back there. Right. Cause yeah. that's huge. Right. Like I, <laughs> um, I, there's, you know, the, the six of cups, right uh is about memories and nostalgia. And I, I stole this quote from a weird TV show, but a place of reference, not residence, is what I say to everybody Ooh, The Six of Cups, that. that memories and nostalgia is a place of reference, not residence. You can't go back and live in that time. And, and a lot of times people will say to me, oh God, I wish I could just go back to that. Or I wish I could just, if it, it was so great then. And it's like, okay, you can- love the fact that it was great then but you can't be there anymore so mourn it and and stop trying to cling to it and i think it's similar with our older selves that like we i'm never gonna be 12 again and it always it's like it makes me think of when people are like oh i really peaked in high school or when people are like i really peaked at this age and you're like that is the saddest thing i've ever heard in my entire life
0: dude I think about that all the I feel so lucky to be an artist like a physical artist because I have like visual representation that I have not peaked like I can look at stuff I did three months ago and be like oh shit I've gotten so much better in those three months and having that like physical marker of things allows me to be like oh yeah no nowhere nowhere near like that thought doesn't enter my mind because I think you're so right and having kids has really drilled like I think a lot about how ideas are really easy to understand, but actually letting them all the way in and like living them is nearly impossible, like on your own sometimes, but having that external thing of like a kid to reflect it makes it like really uh, sink in there deeper, but watch like, I'll be sitting with that screaming two year old and I'm like, deep somewhere in my brain I have to tell myself to enjoy this because it's gonna go away and this is not going to be a thing anymore and June's not going to need daddy like she does right now ever mm-hmm. again and mm-hmm. I don't ever want to go back to whatever is causing this temper tantrum or like having to soothe it but I also don't want to it's exactly what you said what was the phrase uh, that you just used for the a
1: place of reference not residence
0: yeah like I would never want to reside in that in that Uh, moment but i would love it as a reference and to stop and like take note of it and be like oh this is something beautiful happening right now but i would never want to live here and like i don't want to i don't
1: (laughs) i I don't necessarily want to do it again frankly i know i know i know (laughs) i will yeah (laughs) Yeah, And, and the meltdowns too and it is it it is linked to parenting for me so profoundly because i only feel like i really started doing my for real personal inner child work after i had a child because it forces you to right because you are bearing witness to not only parenting somebody but you're parenting yourself reparenting yourself and trying to figure out why you're triggered by the fact that they're screaming at you or why right because and because i'm i'm i try my best to like function as a gentle parent right and and that's not societally for a long time how people functioned at all, but this is the new kind of norm, which I'm happy about. but like you have to sit there as they're doing that, so you don't turn into the baba duck and <laughs> recognize why it frustrates you so much. and what about you being a tiny version of yourself does it frustrate? And I you know when, yeah. pe- when kids don't listen, I'm putting that in quotes, you can't mm-hmm. see it, but everybody, I'm putting it in quotes, uh, when kids don't listen to you that has been the biggest, because there's like, again, there's courses on how to get your kid to listen to you. And there's methods and we're obsessed with our toddlers, our four-year-old humans who've only been on the earth for four or six years, not listening to us. And I really ultimately think deep down that that's my little me being Mm -hmm. frustrated that someone wasn't listening to me. And now this person's not listening to me and and not doing what I say. And they're, there's, they're having a, Flip out for the exact same reason. I want yep. goldfish. You can't have goldfish. I mean, this is literally the meltdown he had today. He just had one. Oh, yeah. um,
0: yeah. I
1: was late getting on here because I was <laughs> trying to negotiate with my four year old why he couldn't have more goldfish. Yeah, but it was like he's frustrated at me because I'm not listening. And yet, little version of me is frustrated because somebody's not listening to what I am saying. And it's so it, the reparenting. <laughs>
0: It's has real.
1: gotten intense. It is real. And it's, and it is, I have to, it, I always say that children are the most intense um, version of a clock that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. That nothing will prepare you for how time moves until you've had or adopted or been around all, like as a primary caregiver, a child, because You see them go from like this squirmy potato to something that can walk and communicate in in a year. And then all of a sudden, my, my squirmy potato that just was walking and talking five seconds ago is now having complex thoughts about you have to listen to me and you're not listening to me. Like all these things. He asked me the other day where he was. He saw a picture of my husband and I on a roller coaster at Coney Island. And he loves Coney Island in New York city or in Brooklyn. And he was just like, where was I in that picture? And I was like, Oh, well, you weren't born yet. And he said, well, where was I? And I was like, Oh God, where were you? Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that exactly. Yes. You weren't here, and he's like, "But where was I?" And I was like, "You weren't here yet." I don't know how to say it to you. So that the fact that in four years my kid can go from squirming and pooping themselves to asking me where they were before they were born, I that they are a human clock. It is like the human timekeeper having a kid around you. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs>
0: it is there's so much you just said there that I would love to talk to you about just as a fellow parent because there like even like to go back to that gentle parenting notion that like Ali and I try and function in the same and like there's so many uh, friction points that allow for not only like us to kind of miss the mark there but also now that he is not or both of our kids are exposed to a lot more like, you know, Teddy's in first grade. So he's got a lot more social influence and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. and Like even just generationally like grandparents and stuff, how different it is. And like those like tension points, as far as like, you know, you weren't raised this way. So why are you raising your kids different than you? That whole conversation where that's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets awkward to talk to uh, your parents about sometimes depending on your relationship. But I think there's so many different ways that like we can learn from cuz like I was talking to Ali about this the other day like I have not thought as much about the way that I interact with the world since having a kid. And a lot of that has to do with time. A lot of that has to do with seeing the way that they interact with time. Like we just went through summer and I forgot how long summer is for a kid. Like I forgot those three months seem like, you know, endless at certain points. And like, to me, it was like, you know, a blink, like it was yeah. just here and gone and trying to like slow down and experience time like they do again, like I was telling you before we got on, we just did a family wedding and they were stuck in a place that was not fun for kids to be stuck in for over nine hours. And like, I had to several times slow myself down and be like, remember what this would be like as a kid. Remember like, Oh my God, days? Yeah, exactly. Epically long. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And like, it's things like that, that remake, that make you Realize that like they're they're not they're probably more right. Like they're probably in a lot of ways the way they're experiencing time is like the way that's a little bit healthier to experience it. And like it's not mm-hmm. again not something you would want to go back to or like have to experience no. like that again. But like it's good to have that refresher. You know, it's good to have. It that really does. It
1: really does. And it is important. I mean, it makes me think about when my kid wakes up too early, right? This is a thing that happens to everybody. When my kid wakes up too early and I get, and inside I'm super frustrated, right? And then what I've started to say to him is, I know you're excited for the day. I know that's why you're awake. And I'm happy that you're excited for the day because ultimately that he doesn't care what time it is. He woke up. (laughs) He's excited to experience the day. And then you have to like tell yourself that you're like, I need to try to be excited for this day. That is what I'm here to do. It's happening right now. Right? Like I don't get another chance. I don't get to do this over. Like I better try. And sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail and that's okay. Like you don't have to be happy all the time. That's love and light territory that I don't live in. But (laughs) Yeah. And I I know you're just excited for the day and it's, and I mean, it's all, it is, it's all about time and it is all about, and it is, it it does come back to everything we're talking about once again with our time. How much time do we have? What does the time we spend look like? Maybe that's why horror movies are so sad and tragic too, is that ultimately what you're seeing is somebody's demise before it's their time, right? Absolutely. Right, like before they're supposed to, whatever that means, supposed to go. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's no, yeah. Time. That's one of the things I I go through phases as far as listening to. I listen to tons of podcasts, and I'll go through phases as far as listening to paranormal ones. And like, I have not really been listening to many like ghost story podcasts for a while. And I was like, okay, it's getting to be there. I'll I'll, I'll throw on a couple of these. And one of the things that is so much a common theme that i picked up on is these moments where like two kids let's say a brother and a sister will experience something in a house growing up and they won't talk to each other about it right then they'll they'll build this whole mythology around it and it'll affect their lives in different ways and then at some point after they've grown up they'll reconnect and that will come up and when they tell each other like Oh, you saw the weird hat guy in the kitchen too. That was sitting on the stove. It's like mm-hmm. this confirmation, and it like closes this time loop. And there's this thing in my brain where I'm like, was did this whole thing happen for them to have this connection point later in their lives? Because a lot of the times I'm like, well, I wasn't really close with my brother for a long time, but then we got together and we started talking about this experience we had, and we reconnected, and now we're close. And it's like, oh, well, that whole thing that happened to you when you were a kid that you both experienced differently probably happened just so you could have that moment 30 years later talking about it and like i think Mm -hmm. there's so much of those things that that kind of thread through the paranormal and scary stories and stuff that don't get highlighted as much because those that's not the button people want from a halloween story that's not the you know that's they they want to look at that button as like oh so it really happened they really saw the the dead guy in the kitchen but it's like no they didn't really see a dead guy in the kitchen well maybe they did who knows but they experienced something that was meant to bring them closer in a relationship later on. And I think that's the Absolutely. element that gets left out of a lot of these like kind of scary stories or these things. And yeah, it's, I don't it's
1: true. It's true. I mean, I wonder, cause that made, that made me think of like, I have this distinct memory of my mother and I, um, hearing knocking in our old apartment. And I was little And I remember her completely as far as I can remember it. And now I feel like I have to ask her about it, but maybe that's our loop, right? Time loop. Um, Was her acknowledging that yes, she hears it too. And yes, that she doesn't know what it is. And that like, I was like, it's a ghost. And she was like, yeah, it probably is. Like that's yes. And and that being like the one thing that just happened when I was six years old and us never probably talking about it again, but now we're gonna, because I'm gonna bring it up to her because that's the loop. But- Yes. Yeah.
0: That's be- yeah. that the reason we were supposed to have this conversation today. See, that's- a- Is so that I can talk
1: to my mom about the ghost in the kitchen. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I, I really do think there's something to that. I may have brought brought uh, Eric Wargo up to you before. He's a guy that he wrote a book on time loops and pre. he's written books on precognitive uh, creativity and things like that. But one of the things that I love that he talks about a lot is these things that happen, whether it's synchronicities or these shared anomalous experiences, really what they're about is really Real life connections the whole point of synchronicities whether it's kind of like the story you shared earlier about the halloween costumes isn't sharing the story like if that just happened to you and you never told anybody about it then mm-hmm. it kind of wouldn't have the same effect as you sharing that within the world and i just love this idea that these kind of more magical moments they're not meant to be like buried away and just like kept inside they're meant to be shared and like meant to be like hey this can happen to you and the more that we share them it seems like the more these magical things happen or the easier it is to access them if that makes sense Oh, I
1: hundred percent! It's so funny, and I feel like I said this last time. I can't remember. Maybe it was about the moon. I can't remember. But my my aunt now texts me every time it's eleven eleven or one eleven. Yes, 1-11. I do remember and the story. Yeah, so she's always like eleven eleven, and I'm always like, yes, I know, I know, and I I, I actually Definitely. oh, it was just two eleven here. Yes. But I just really do appreciate that she does it now because it's that exact idea of of. Synchronicities become um, uh, something that you can explain away or not think about or not pay attention to if you don't talk about them. And yeah. then, if you have the synchronicity that then connects you to somebody else, it's like it's it's magic in the real world. It's magic in the real plane, and that's why I think synchronicities are so delightful. And like yeah. expressing them and paying attention to them and talking about them and you know, it's why I have eleven tattooed on my wrist. Is because I just, you know, if and there's another collective thing, right? This idea totally. of like nobody can judge making a wish at eleven o'clock on at eleven eleven. <laughs> Who can hate that? Thank you that's very much.
0: That's True. That's right. So true. if we
1: all see eleven eleven and think to ourselves, "I'm going to make a wish," it's that's it's why we blow out birthday candles for yep, Christ's sake. Yep. But you know, it's like. Nobody can hate on that. Maybe that should be our united our like our united I thing between everybody.
0: <laughs> I think that's perfect so we're coming on an hour here and I want to be respectful of your time Sutton. I could talk to you for hours. No problem. But To kind of start wrapping this up slowly here. And we've been talking a lot about uh, kind of death throughout this season and everything. And I don't know if I've ever asked you directly what your thoughts on, on the afterlife are like, do you have a current model you like to play with? I, I tend to change mine from time to time and just like to play, but I've recently been really enjoying this idea that it's almost like a co-created experience, essentially that you kind of get the whatever you're putting energy into as far as what you think it's going to be so if you're super materialist atheist and you think it's just going to be a big black void of nothing you're going to get yourself a big black void of nothing if you go to it with these different you know what you bring to it is what you get essentially which is again i don't know or think that that's like the 100 percent truth but i've been kind of loving the idea the kind of thought experiment to live in there is, is there a model you currently like or is there something that you grok to as far as the afterlife like gosh
1: I don't even know I fluctuate honestly like sometimes I I I used to believe it was a big blackout right I don't believe Mm -hmm. that anymore I don't know what it looks like and I and as a tarot card reader I always say to people it's okay not to know right like the the idea of not knowing something doesn't make it bad or and you might never know and that that's okay too, or synchronicities, why do they happen? You might not know who cares, get over it, right? Like all these kinds of ideas. So I have no idea. But I, I, I do, I mean, I believe in ghosts. So I clearly believe in energy and I clearly believe in your energy going somewhere after you pass, whether it goes into like, Another human vessel, whether it goes into, I mean, that's kind of actually where I think I land right now is Mm -hmm. the idea that a version or a piece of you, whether it be your entire identity, probably not but that like a piece of your stardust, your star stuff, right. Goes into somewhere and then decides to go back into another body and that you're only like probably 10% of that old version of what you look like in this physical form. And you end up in somewhere else in another body, in another country, in another experience. And that like, that's why, deja vu, right? Like, am I having deja vu from being an old version of me that, you know, what is that? And, and I think that's kind of where I'm landing these days, because I just, how can, how can the, the firing of our neurons and all this energy that we, we hold inside of this meat suit, how can it just be gone? And I just don't, I don't understand. And it's funny, because it's, I'm not saying that in a am i though i was about to say i'm not saying that in in the like how can it be gone because i need it to to not be that but i'm like but maybe i am saying that who knows like (laughs) because i i'm not ready to go right and so like is my fear surround like is my idea of that really condensed into the fact that i don't want that little piece of myself to just completely be gone from the world who knows I don't know um but yeah that's where I'm kind of living right now and I do I do believe that like we you know and I don't not karmic debts in the way that like a lot of people perceive karma but like that like something may have happened and that like you have this karmic kind of thing to play out in a new version of the 10% or the distilled version of you from 200 years ago or whatever it may be. And, and so, yeah, I I think that's where I'm landing. And I, I, I've definitely, there's something called the Akashic records, which Mm -hmm. for anybody who doesn't know it is, it's basically I I'm I'm not an expert in the Akashic Records, but it's the idea that like the every single version of you that has ever lived gets stored in this um, database, right? Knowledge, uh, extraterrestrial database or whatever it may, whatever you want to call it, the cloud, right? And yes. that you're able to look back at those things. If you read the Akashic records properly, you get to look back at the old versions of your own life or that something that you learned in a past life influences what a question you may have for today um, or whatever it may be. And I have definitely seen, I've gone into the Akashic records myself and I have seen versions of what I believe to be past deaths that I have lived. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really yeah. know. But that's where I'm sticking. That, I, th- I and That's where I'm sticking. 10% of it. me gets transferred to another source.
0: <laughs> it's beautiful. And I think, you know, it's the type of thing, just like when people ask the question, like, what's behind a paranormal phenomenon, whether it's a UFO or a cryptid or a ghost or any of these things, it's probably a bunch of answers, I think. And that's kind of why, like, I love that idea that you're talking about. I've heard somebody explain it in the uh, in the way of the if you think about like a giant lake right and after we pass away our energy everyone's goes into this giant lake or this pool and then it gets condensated and then it turns into rain via condensation and we're all mixed together and we all get this little 10% and that's why you might have like some past life stuff where you're like, Oh, well, you know, I feel like I was Cleopatra one time. Well, you probably weren't Cleopatra, but maybe like 2% of you was Cleopatra at some point. And like, you know, things like that where, you know, and, and they, they go on to explain or theorize that like sometimes bigger bigger energy bursts whether it's like an elvis or a cleopatra these people you hear reincarnate all the time it's because they left this imprint in that pool that's a little bit bigger so like you know you Mm -hmm. are more likely to get some of those different things and like and that that stuff always interests me and i i love the idea that it's all of that and 10 other things that haven't been thought of like, I think anything that we're talking about big like this, it's probably everything that's been proposed and then everything that's going to be proposed. It's all true and it's all not true. And I think that's like uh-huh. the, the funnest place to sit with it all. And I, I, love uh-huh. the, I, I love that idea that you just laid out there. And I, I do think there's something special about this time of the year that it is a little less taboo to talk about these things and that people are just even on a subconscious level, even just seeing the imagery all the time, like death is a little closer in that, in that way, whether they know it or not. And yeah, if more like people totally. just had like had time to think about what they thought would happen after they die. And even if it is just like what they were brought up on or, you know, whatever it is, I feel, feel like you just live a more full life sometimes if you think about these bigger ideas and whatnot. Oh that was 100%. the other thing before the other thing I was going to say the uh, the one thing I never thought about before that this relates to in those big question ways is the idea of like a connected consciousness and the idea that like I really believe that consciousness isn't localized to us that like it's kind of formed and there is something that is a whether it's a tapestry of consciousness that we're all connected to or there's something to things that connect us all and I think that looking at the afterlife as a way that we all go back to the same thing and kind of reamalgamate out of it like it's a way another way to remember that we're all connected because there's something to that that uh, idea that gets lost a lot of the times that I think is very important to remember that you know we all we are all made of the same thing in certain ways <laughs> yeah
1: and we're all finite that we yeah it's and you can either you can either accept it, or you can try and fight it. But fighting it's not going to do it any no. difference. Yeah, and, I st- lo- and that's why I love, love Halloween that. because it's yeah. literally like I'm totally. I'm going to embrace this idea because for some weird unknown reason to me or maybe you known I don't know that like I I respect it and I am in yeah. awe of it and I I. I I'm scared of it, but I'm also joyful about it. It's just like all, it can contain all of those things. And yeah, it's, it's funny because I am always, there's, you know, there's a silly TikTok sound or Instagram sound. That's like, if, if that bitch is Halloween is that bitch's favorite holiday, then she's mentally unstable. It's me. I'm that bitch. And it's like, it's true. <laughs> it's like, yes, oh, so I, Halloween is my favorite oh. holiday and I am mentally. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's too good. No, I, I think that's dead on. I this was such a fun conversation. Sutton. I'm so glad. Oh, that it made me so more on. excited
1: and, about Halloween too. Well, <laughs>
0: Is there anything you want to leave people with as far as something uh, something that would be a fun thing to do for the, ho- for the holiday, for the Halloween time, Ooh, or anything um, along those lines that you think would be useful for folks?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely... Lay pictures out of your loved ones. I think that is a really big deal. Um, It's, you know, like an ofrenda for Dia de 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 los Muertos. It's the same idea. You just take a picture of somebody that has passed and you give them some of their favorite items. You can do that on Halloween or Samhain. Uh, Don't use Ouija boards. The biggest thing for me is... With this time of year, with the idea that the veil is thinning, is that you really want to honor your dead instead of demand something from them. And Ooh. so what Ouija boards really do is you're forcing the hand of a spirit to come communicate with you. You really should be inviting them instead of forcing them. And that's why I've always been very kind of anti Ouija board. Um
0: yeah, that's a good, I've never thought about that perspective.
1: Yeah, it's 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 very like it's very aggressive, and in all which kind of lore as far as i'm concerned it's very much like don't force the hand of spirits and honor them and invite them instead of pushing them to communicate with you and 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 be respectful basically um light your candles uh carve your pumpkins i mean all of that stuff is dated back to something far beyond the capitalistic idea of halloween and it is all rooted in um lore and that is lore right even the idea of carving a pumpkin is for a reason and uh, it's a protective thing and all of those things and so do the things you're supposed to do if you don't want to get all totally witchy. Well, surprise you're being witchy because you're celebrating Halloween because you're carving (laughs) your pumpkins and you are giving your treats out and you are decorating. And, but the the biggest one for me is putting out a picture of a loved one and giving them offerings. That is because there's the cycle again. It's just honoring the cycle.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. And yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you tell people where to find your work, Thank where you. to support you, reach out yeah. for readings, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, I have a website. It's SuttonCrawford.com. My Instagram is Sutton Crawford. I I've also run a casual coven. I uh, You can go ahead and email me. You'll find my email, which uh, is on my website, or you can DM me through Sutton Crawford on Instagram. I offer hour-long readings. I offer half-hour-long readings. I offer a three card poll video messages. I offer so many different things and I have a special new um, reading that I'm doing, which is a look ahead Halloween spread, which is dated Ooh. for about three to six weeks in advance from the time that we sit down. And I'm only going to offer that during the month of October. So go ahead and send me a DM or email me and my website is SuttonCrawford.com
0: perfect i will link all of that below thank you so much for coming back sutton it's always just a wonderful conversation i feel great leaving it and going about the rest of my day so happy halloween if i don't talk to you like this again beforehand and enjoy the rest of the spooky season
1: yes thank you for having me happy halloween